All right, good morning, everyone. I just brought my gym bag, just in case we do some push-ups or something this morning, then we're, we're ready to go. Some people are like, shoot, I didn't get enough sleep. Hey, you know what I just figured out is that being a dad of four, spring ahead is the best. Any parents in the house that would just say spring ahead is wonderful. My kids slept until seven today. <laughs> I say we spring ahead every week. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm open to that. <laughs> man, how many of you are just thankful for the Lord? I'm, I'm so in love with this man, Jesus, who he is, what he's done. And this morning, we're going to just lodge ourselves more into who he is and his love for us. And, you know, as I was just taking the time, you know, again, what we've been doing is just kind of go week by week. Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? And kind of just continuing on what we talked about last week, you know, one of the points that it was kind of funny, I, I preached on it, then I really heard the Lord, felt the Lord kind of direct me and will practice what you preach. And I mean, that's a good thing. Um, hypocrisy is stinking stupid. So one of the things that we were just talking about, continuing the things that you were taught. And so for us this morning, what we want to do is actually just dive in and understanding, making sure our roots are secure and founded upon the love of God for us. And so this morning, I just really felt impressed in my heart just to continue talking along those lines, making sure that our hearts are established in how loved we are by our Father. It is crucial for the time that we're living in, and we're going to see why here, I believe, throughout this week. But it's, it's important that we continue on to know God's love for us. Because, again, that's what sustained me in tough times. It's not my love for God that sustains me or keeps me going. It's His love for me. And so we've got to get a clear understanding of His love, because His love took care of a whole lot of things. It's his motivation for why he does what he does. Why did he save you? Because he loved you. Why does he bless us with his presence whenever we come to a church gathering like this and we worship him? Because he loves us. He loves to be with his family. So what we want to talk about this morning is not only does he, does he love us, but I need to become aware of it. His love never changes, but my awareness of it can change. And so I want to make sure that we are aware of it because the more aware of, you, of the love of God you are, the more experiential that you can actually have it, right? So before we get going, look at Romans chapter 12 here for a moment. And I want to just bring out this point again because it's so crucial that we understand, again, part of this great exchange is I'm allowing God's thoughts to now come in and infiltrate my thinking so that his thoughts now become the dominant force in my life. This is the, what we call the great exchange. Becoming a Christian again, when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, rock on. But it doesn't stop there. Now you're going on this whole journey, and I mean, most of you know this. We're going into a journey now to become like his son. And in order to become like the son Jesus, guess what? we got to think like the son Jesus. You know, Jesus doesn't think like the world. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Donovan. Anybody else in the house? that He doesn't think like they think out there. He thinks differently. And a lot of times, he thinks differently than what we think of. So what are we willing to make the changes? Are we willing to exchange my thoughts for his thoughts? Are you willing to do that? Because again, any breakthrough that you have in faith is a breakthrough in revelation knowledge. Faith is never an issue. Faith is never the problem. Anybody ever said, oh, they just, they just need more faith, or I need more faith, or if they would have had more faith, they would have seen that. Anybody heard those stupid comments before? Right? Those are not biblical. Those are not godly. You have faith. Now, if I want to experience a breakthrough in that faith, what do I need? A breakthrough of revelation knowledge. You need to see Jesus for who he is. Because when you see him, oh, you see him. That changes everything. Right? So now, Romans chapter 12, this is what the Apostle Paul is bringing out. And again, did everybody read Romans 11 last week? Oh, this is going to be awkward, y'all. 
Do we have a detention room, Julian, that we have to send everybody? Okay, <laughs> follow Julian. We're going to read Romans 11. Please read that so you get context. I don't have time for that, so I want to please read that. Because, again, it talks about the mercy and the goodness of God. And did you know, even in Romans 11, what it talks about is that God, he saved us and grafted us in to this pure vine, which is Jesus, so that we'd actually make the Jewish nation jealous. That's what Romans 11 talks about. It actually says that in the Bible. We're supposed to make them jealous. Have we made them jealous yet? No. Especially if we talk about a gospel that, oh, God wants you sick. God doesn't want to take care of you. God doesn't want you to have any answers. That doesn't make anybody jealous. That goes, I don't want to be part of that club. So this is why he's talking about all these things, to really get a good input and understanding of what he's saying in Romans 12. we got to understand Romans 11, where he just clearly describes God in his mercy and his kindness took you out as a wild branch, and he plugged you in to the covenant of Abraham that you did not deserve. He gave it to you. And so this is what Paul picks up in Romans 12. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Why? Because of all that he done for you in Romans 11. Because of everything that he's done. He said, let them, your bodies, be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable, because this is truly the way to worship him. Two, he says, don't copy now the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way that I think. How does a transformation take place? By changing the way that I think. It doesn't come through prayer. It doesn't come through, oh God, I just, if you could change my thinking. It doesn't come from me putting the Bible under a pillow and hopefully osmosis just transfers it over. It's an intentional part of our Christian walk where I'm intentionally taking God's thoughts, which is found in his word, and I'm transferring it over and saying, this is now my way of thinking. This is what happens. This is where it takes place. The transformation takes place. And in that transformation, guys, if you could go to Romans 12, 2 down there, that'd be great. Then it says, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So how will I know God's will, which is good, pleasing, and perfect? To the degree that my mind is renewed. So I'm walking in God's will for my life to the degree that my mind is renewed with what God thinks like. Did you know that? If you really think about that, it's just quite powerful. Well, you know, I, have, I, you know, I don't believe that God's will is to heal today. That thought right there is going to cap you, first of all, from experiencing God's healing power operating in your life or anybody near you. Secondly, it's also going to cap you from progressing in the understanding of God's perfect will for your own life. It's a cap. So this is why it's so important that you and I, we have to constantly submit our thoughts to God and allow our thoughts to drop or get rid of these thoughts in order to embrace a different thought, not only so I can receive the benefit of what that blessing may be, but also that I can progress in my understanding of God's will for my own life. It's crucial. It's vital. Ever say vital. This is Christianity 101. This is so important for you and I to understand this. Now, what we are going and talking into this morning is the foundation. My firm foundation is this, how loved I am by God. So let's go in your Bibles or on your phones or your iPads or whatever you have. Go to John chapter 3, verse 16. Oh, I know that verse. Good, we're going to read it again. Did you know that we could have gone to plumb the depths for millions of years when we're with the Lord and we still won't even understand the magnitude of how deep this verse really is? There's so much to this, and it's the Father's love that he has for us. 
And in John 3.16, and I think it may be a little bit frozen downstairs, so we'll just we'll go old school and you'll have to look it up for yourself. John 3.16, is there? Oh, okay. I just, I won't, I won't read this screen here then. Okay, John 3.16, it says this, For here is the way that God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift, so now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. This is how much God loved the world. And how much did he love us? He gave his only unique son. Did you know the entire Old Testament points to this verse? And the entire New Testament proves that this verse is true. The very essence of our existence, the very essence of our salvation, your entire hope for when this natural life is over is dependent on this verse. Did you know that? So we want to make a big deal of John 3.16. Because <laughs> after this life is done, when you take in your last breath, if the Lord tarries is coming, but you and I, our entire eternal salvation is dependent on, for God so loved the world that he gave his only unique son. And I think part of it too is not only did he just do that, but also this is still just true today as when the Lord spoke that 2,000 years ago. I love the world so much, what did I do? I sent my only son. And again, the Old Testament, try, and it reveals the reality of this verse, and the entire New Testament proves that this verse is true. So whenever you're reading your New Testament, I encourage you, put on your John 3.16 lens. This is why God does what he does, is he constantly proves his love for you and I. And again, why did he send his son? So that whoever believes, what would they have? eternal life or experience everlasting life. And I like the way that it brings it out here. It's the Aramaic that brings it out. Experience everlasting life. Again, everlasting life or eternal life is not the length of your days. It's the quality of your days. Every human being on this planet is an eternal being. There will not be an end. When somebody dies on this natural sense, they're not, they do not in the sense of disappear. They no longer exist. They exist they are either with the Father or they're down in, in hell. And that's why it's so important that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is our message to the world that God loves you. He cares about you. He came to set you free. He came to take away all the sin. That's what he came to do. So again, eternal life does not mean length of my days. It means the quality of my days. And I want you to look at this. Now, John 17, 3, it says this. What is everlasting life? Again, if you could just say, well, it's the length of my days. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's good. But what is it in Bible terms? What does Jesus say about everlasting life? Well, John 17, 3, right here, it says, eternal life means. Does that kind of give us the answer right there? So if you and I believed in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, how many of you have done that? So what has been given to you, you have received eternal life. When? When I die and get to heaven? No, I've received it now. I have the life of Christ on the inside of me now. Eternal life. I can live like God lives on from the inside out. That's how God operates. That's what he infused into our spirits when we got born again in Bible terms. So what is this eternal life? What is this everlasting life? Jesus really clearly lays it out. It means to know. Everybody say know, know. and experience. Come on, say it with me. Know and experience. What is eternal life? To know and to experience you as the true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ, the one in whom you have sent. 
This is eternal life. Is that I just not, not head knowledge, but I have understanding, again, revelation knowledge. This is how Jesus is building his church, is through revelation knowledge. He said, I will build my church on, on this revelation that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. How many believe that he is the Messiah? What happened? That's how God's building his church. And that's where it continues to progress. It comes revelation after revelation after revelation. How many know that you are born again a child of God? Can anybody take that away from you? No, why? Because it's revealed to you. It's revelation knowledge. No matter what anybody says, it won't change that because it's been revealed to me. Well, the same way that was revealed to you regarding your salvation, that's how every other promise in the kingdom of God operates by. When it becomes revelation knowledge to me, nobody... No demon, no experience, no trial that comes my way will ever shake me from my revelation knowledge. Why? Because it's revealed to me from the scripture. So you and I, we're not fighting for more head knowledge to debate people better on Facebook. We're looking for revelation knowledge from the word of God so that when I know it, then I know it. And I will stand, I will fight, I will hold on until I see what I know manifested on the outside. Why are Christians quitting so much? Is because it's head knowledge. Head knowledge doesn't do nothing for you. It doesn't change anything. It gets you excited for a little bit, but when the testing and trial comes, according to Mark 4, because of the persecutions that come our way, they stumble, they fall away because of the persecution that came. But for you and I that hold on to this revelation knowledge, oh man, guess what? We can't be stopped. That's the difference between Judas, who betrayed Jesus, and Peter. They both denied Jesus, but what happened with Judas? Judas had remorse. He felt bad. He wished he never would have done it, but he hung himself. And on the other end, Peter, why could he survive after, you know, denying the Lord three times and Jesus prophesying that to him? Not yes, the Lord prayed for him, absolutely, but he knew that Jesus was the Christ. Remember, remember that in Matthew 16, right? Who do people say that I am? And Peter said, you are the son of God. Man, blessed are you, Peter, because no flesh and blood revealed that to you, but my father revealed that to you. That held him, that sustained him. So you and I, we need to contend for revelation knowledge of the word of God. That's our hope. So the same way that we know we're saved, we got to get revelation knowledge when it comes to understanding how loved I am. Because when I know how loved I am, it changes everything about my life. Now let's look at this again, Ephesians chapter 3. I want to lay a little foundation here as we go forward. But his love impacted me, spirit, soul, and body. Impacted me, spirit, soul, body. God cares about the whole being that you are. Did you know that you are a spirit? You have a soul, which is your mind, right? Your will, your emotions, and you have this physical being. Well, God bought the entire thing. He purchased the entire being, so therefore his love cascades over it all. He's interested in the whole being. He doesn't want just part of you okay, and then you're mentally screwed up. He doesn't want just your spirit fine and your flesh constantly not able to make it and handle the journey. No, he designed it so that his love absolutely impacts the whole entire being. So that's what I want to just look at a little bit this morning. Is that okay with y'all? All right, let's look at this. Ephesians 3.17. This, this is why the Apostle Paul prayed for the church that we would know the love of Christ. Not know. No. Not know. No. Experiential. Okay, it says this, constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. And now I want you to hear these words. The resting place of his love will become the very source. Everybody say source. source. And the very root of your life. So what is the very source and the resting place of my life? It's how loved I am. 
Boom, a trial comes my way. I'm loved. Boom, I get fired from my job. I'm loved. Oh, man, the threat's coming this way. They're wanting to, you know, you name it. I'm loved. This is the very source and the root of my life. Verse 18 says, Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. Other translations say this is what every holy child should be experiencing. This is what you should be experiencing, church, on a regular day-to-day basis. Not just once in a while when a nice worship song was on and a tear shed. That doesn't mean love necessarily. That just means you are moved in your soul, which is wonderful, which is great. But the love of God goes beyond that. It becomes a knowing on the inside of you. You wake up every morning, just like the song we just sung, your mercies are new every morning. They'll come and rescue. They'll come and save me every day. It's an awareness of his love for me. He says this, you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. Now, I want you to look at these words. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all of its dimensions. So we're going to look at all of its dimensions this morning. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. Now I want you to look at these verses, these verbs even too. How deeply intimate and far-reaching. Remember when you thought this, the church would be the last place you would ever be? Right? You were so lost in sin, so lost in maybe doing your own thing, that church was the furthest thing from your life that you'd ever be part of. And now, look where you're at now. Why on earth am I living a godly life? Because his love is intimate and it is so far reaching. You can never outrun it. The psalmist even said that. I, where can I go from your presence? <laughs> okay. Uh, is his love how enduring and inclusive it is? Inclusive. Let's say inclusive. It's not an exclusive club. This is an inclusive club. If you want in, man, it, you can go. You can come on in. God will never shut you out. Even those the words that you see when you walk in those, you belong here. We got that from the Bible. God's whole kingdom is you belong here. And because you belong here, I'm actively pursuing you. Oh, man, that's wonderful. <laughs> How enduring and inclusive it is. And it says endless love beyond measurement. And notice this. It transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled with overflowing with the fullness of God. So what's the bottom line? You have to let God love you. God wants to fill you up so much with his love to the point where you are so full that there's just not even enough room to take it. That's what he wants to do for the purpose of you and I now going out and showing that same love across this planet. Because that's what the whole kingdom is. When you get into the kingdom of God, it's the kingdom of love. Can't change that. Now, again, the key in all of this is you have to let him love you. You have to let him love you. Say it with me. I have to let him love me. Just because God's love is extravagant, all these words that we just read, it's far-reaching, it's intimate, it's enduring, it's inclusive. I have to allow it in. I have to give it access to love me today because if I don't, he won't just barge in there and just start loving on me the way he wants to. I have to give him access point. And that's where you and I have to have an awareness continually of the love of God. God didn't just love me back then when I accepted him as his Lord and Savior, but he loves me now because I'm his child. Are you aware of that? We have to become aware and understanding of this so we can see it. Now, let's look at this spiritually, in the emotional realm, in the physical realm. God loved us. So look at this, Ephesians chapter 1. Let's turn there for a moment. I want to look at the dimensions of his love. 
So if his love loves me, that means it impacted my spirit, impacts my soul, and it impacts my physical being. Correct? Spiritually speaking, I want you just to see this verse, Ephesians 1, 13. And I'm just, again, laying a quick foundation for this. But it says, because of him, because of Jesus, when you who were not Jews heard the revelation of truth, that Jesus is the Messiah, says you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Again, how many of you did that? Okay, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. It says now, let's say now. Now. You have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. I've been stamped with what? The seal of the promised Holy Spirit. And again, the way he's written that is that in the olden days, when they would have a letter, they'd send it to another king. He would have a ring, right? And the ring, uh, they would put some hot wax on it. The king would put his seal of approval on this letter and stamp it and send it off. Well, now you have been, um, actually, if you go to the next verse, verse 14, not as a type of seal, yes. The other word that brings it out is you've also been given an engagement ring. You've been proposed to. While Jesus is hanging on that cross, guess what he was doing? Yeah, he took on the whole sin of the world. He's also proposing to you and I. He's offering an engagement ring for complete salvation for us. So he says, for he is given to us like an engagement ring, is given to a bride as the first installment of what's coming. Everybody say, what's coming? Ever see that? I always enjoyed, like Jamie, whenever we used to go to movies back in 2019, (laughs) I don't remember the last one I went to, but we, Jamie always wanted to go there early because we wanted to see the upcoming attractions or the upcoming films. Well, right here, what's coming? You've been given a foretaste of what is yet to come. And what is that? You've been sealed with the Spirit of God. He's in you now. So one third of me right now looks exactly like him. What? It's the truth. Then he says, He is our hope promise of a future inheritance, which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. Now, again, I want you to see this. He's our hope, the promise of a future inheritance. We are going to experience all of redemption's promises when he comes back. Now, what does that mean? And that's not talking about the promises he has for this time and in this season while on this earth, he's talking about a brand new body. You won't have to shower every day. You wouldn't have to work out to keep this thing fit and trim. Thank God for that. You're going to be getting these brand new bodies. And guess what? You wouldn't have to travel by car or airplane anymore. What a waste of time that is. Because how does Jesus operate? Remember, as he is, so are we. How did Jesus operate in his new body? He just appeared to his disciples, right? He stood amongst the midst of them. So that means you and I, doors and walls, no big deal. See a door, I'm just going to just appear. Whenever I want to go visit Aaron in his, in his home, I'm just going to go, Aaron's house, boom. What's up, Aaron? Oh! <laughs> no, if you just actually think about it from just a natural sense. Remember when Jesus did appear, though, to his disciples? And all the disciples were freaked out. And he said, fear not. Just appearing to somebody, though, Jesus, is not the best way to just appear to somebody and tell them not to freak out. All of a sudden, there's the Lord. Hey, what is this? It's just a, maybe that's how we play tag in heaven. You just try to figure where each other are. But I want you to see these new bodies, this is what he's going to came to give us. 
So it affects our entire being, spirit, soul, body. Now, next also, that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Aren't you thankful for that? Because there's been attitudes, times in my life where, hey, if anything, I should have been forsaken. But because God is a covenant-making God, he will not. And he said this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Be sure of this, he said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That means even to this day. 2021, he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He'll never let me down. So that's just a small snippet from the spiritual side. The emotional or the soulish realm, I want you to look at these couple verses. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. says, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what he came to give me, a sound mind. Say with me, sound mind. Not supposed to have, you know, delusional and can't figure anything out. He came to give me a sound mind. And actually, if you look at this verse too in 1 Corinthians 2.16, the Bible tells us that we have the mind of Christ. I have his mind. Again, we're just becoming aware how much he loves me. When I know how much I'm loved, I can have a sound mind. Say it, I have a sound mind. Sound in my thinking, sound in my thoughts, sound in my emotions. I have a sound, soulish realm. I don't have to be up and down. I don't have to be constantly anxiety and fear. I have a sound mind. And last verse, just Isaiah 23, 6, it says that you will keep in perfect peace those who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. This is the will of God, is that his thoughts, or because my thoughts are fixed on him, he will keep me in perfect peace. Now I'm going to come back to the soulish realm here in a sec. And the last verse I want to show you, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, spirit, soul, and body, physically speaking. 1 Peter 2.24 says this, He himself, Jesus himself, carried my sin in his body on the cross so that I would be dead to sin and live for righteousness. The Passion Bible says it like this, Our instant healing, say instant Instant healing flowed from his wounding. Now, the Greek word for that word healing is iomia. I probably butchered it, but that's how it looks like, iomia. And it refers to physical healing and is used actually as a medical term to describe the curing of the physical body. But not only that, it also is healing includes the body, it includes the soul, and it includes the emotions. So I want you to say this with me. My instant healing... Of my body, of my soul, and of my emotions flows from his wounds. Did he already take the whooping? Did he already take the beating? So what has been given to me? Instant healing. Not one day. Come on. Instant healing. Why did Jesus hang on that? Or why was he tied to the whipping post? So it was for our healing. Physical, yeah, but also my mental state. He came to take care of the whole being. God's not just interested in your spirit. I want to get this across. Not just your spirit. He's interested in the prosperity of your soul. That I think well. I have sound mind. Instant healing for the soul. That's what he came to do. Now listen, you didn't have, they didn't have to tie Jesus to that whipping post. He would have held on. Why? Because he's so in love. But you know what? It would have been fine if Jesus just went to the cross. But why did the Father put him on that whipping post? He didn't have to go to the whipping post. We could have just meant just salvation in itself would have been great. 
Going to heaven would have just been wonderful. But because God loves all of you, far-reaching, inclusive, deeply intimate, he's interested in your spirit, he's interested in your soul, and he's interested in your body. So don't just think God just wants my spirit. Yeah, he absolutely does. That's what he, he purchased, and that's what he's, he's in there. But he cares about my soulish state on this earth. <laughs> that's, that's a really kind king. He didn't have to, but he really cares about my soulish realm. He cares how I think. And you know, there's a, this was a couple years ago. Uh, Jamie and I were in a little, little getaway together. And uh, one of my kids interrupted all that. She was there too, London. Uh, but I remember early in the morning, I was up probably about, and this is so weird, in the, in, when I'm on vacation, I can get up 4 o'clock in the morning, no big deal, and have a day. Like, but when I get here, it's like, oh, dear, just let me sleep. 6 o'clock, please. But also, I was up early, 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning, and I was just sitting outside. We were in Phoenix, and it was just hot. It's 40 degrees already at you know, 5 o'clock in the morning. It was delicious. So you're sitting out there, just sweating bombs. And I remember just the Lord, just, I heard this on the inside of me. Didn't hear an audible voice, but again, I just heard on the inside of me, Joel, you have a soul and I care. And in that time, I was just going through just a few different thoughts. And at this time, there's, I've seen about four or five different pastors that had committed suicide in our Western Hemisphere. And it actually really bothered me. How can someone in the same line of work that I'm in, work for lack of a better word, commit suicide? And it was all because of a mental health issue. And that really started to bother me. And I'm going like, how, how do you get to this place that this actually takes place? Right? And of course, there's a lot of natural things you can do. And even not too long, even last week, I did a funeral for a guy with mental health issues. So there's a lot of these things going around there. And it's a lot of times we talk about natural things. And there's some natural, yeah, I, I get all that. And thank God for it. But he came to revive. And actually, the Bible says in Psalm 23, to restore my soul. He purchased it big time for me, but again, I have to allow him access to my soul, and this is part of the great exchange has to take place. If my thoughts aren't going to line up with his thoughts, I will be screwy. So let me encourage you, if you've got different thinking according to the word, it's got to change, it's got to adjust, simply why I can have a sound mind. God's not going to come up to me, take off my head and start putting his thoughts in. I have to intentionally, God, what do you think about health? God, what do you think about love? God, what do you think about finances? God, what do you think about relationships? God, what do you think? And just let him love you through his word. Now, what we're doing is we've got to make a big deal about how much we're loved by God because, again, this is the motivation for why God does what he does. This, I want this to be the culture of my home. This is, I want this to be the culture of this church, is that you belong here. Those words aren't just a nice, oh, you belong here. That sounds real Christianese. Know that you feel it. I actually feel I belong here. Why? Because it's the culture of heaven. When you walk into heaven, you will not be awkward. <laughs> you don't have, you know, you know, some you know, people that are greeting the door kind of going, oh, okay, come on in. And then all of a sudden you walk through the gates, you're just like, you know, you're self-conscious about yourself, unsure. No, when you get there, it's comfortable. Why? Because you belong here is felt. That's why I remember, you know, just a vision that this gentleman had of heaven. When people would be coming in, like they say, it was like these big cars going up into heaven. And when they get there, the doors fling open. These people run for the throne room. Why? You belong here. That's the whole culture. And so this is what we want to, this is what I want, even in my own heart, is that when people come around me, they feel I belong. 
to something. I don't know what it is, but it's to something. I want them to experience the love of Jesus. That's the bottom line. And we know that to be true. But I want to put a big deal on this because this is what makes heaven heaven and hell hell. Okay. Now, again, just a quick few other reminders for us. Jesus commanded us, John 15, 9. What did he tell us? What did he command us? I love each of you with the same love the Father has loved me. Then he says, you must. Say with me, you must. You must. This isn't a suggestion. This is something that you and I have to take as a command from the head of the church, from our commander-in-chief, from the boss of all bosses. He says, you must. You must. What? Continue to love me? Nope. He says, you must continually let my love nourish your hearts. You have to do this. Why? Because the world is doing everything it can to strip away and take away the love that I have towards you, distract you from all of it. This is the very source and the root of my life. I am loved by God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He loves me. I call him dad. He wants me to do that throughout my day so I become aware of how loved that I am. This is where I rest. This is where I stand. Because again, when I know that I'm loved, how easy is it for me not only to love myself? People have a hard time loving themselves. Why? Because they don't see themselves through the eyes of the Father. And again, every breakthrough in faith is a breakthrough in revelation. If you're having a hard time with this Christian thing, and how does this Christianity work? Start here. I am loved by God. Type it into Google. God loves me scriptures. And just go from there. And meditate on them. Think on them until you see it. Because when you see it, then you see it, and now I can live it. That's how this name of the game works. Okay. Then I want you to see this. 1 John 3.1. Again, so Jesus commanded us, you must continually let my love nourish your hearts. Then in 1 John 3.1, it says this. Look. Everybody say, look. Look and keep on looking. Keep on looking. King James Bible says, behold. Behold's a big word, meaning Look. With what? Wonder at the depth of the Father's love. His marvelous love that he has lavished on us. And we see the first thing he does. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. I'll finish it off. The reason why the world doesn't recognize who we are is because it didn't recognize him. Now, I want to put the emphasis again on look. Why look? God wants us to keep our eyes fixed on how loved I am. Instead, we've been focusing so much on what's happening out there. And what's that designed to do? Distract you from what God is wanting to do in his love towards you. Rather than giving you a sound mind while I keep my eyes fixed on him, I'm looking at here, out here. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Wanting to slap a bunch of people, which I can't because I can't get to them. <laughs> and even if I got to them, they're all wearing masks, so I don't know who's who. What's it all doing? Distracting me from seeing and looking at how loved I really am by my Father. Because again, God's got a lot of love to give out, but He needs a recipient. That's, it's, it's, it sounds so simple, but if we would just stop and literally look and allow God to just show you, demonstrate His love towards you and I, it would change your lifestyle. Okay. Colossians 3, 2. Do I have that? Yes, I do. Then look at this verse. It says, yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm. Now look at this. Fill your thoughts. 
Everybody say, fill your thoughts. Fill them. With what? With heavenly realities. What's a heavenly reality? I don't know. We're so quick to talk about natural realities. This is what's going on. This is what they said. Listen, not only that, but in the Bible you see so many times, Paul actually, when he was, after 14 years in the desert time, just spending time with the Lord and letting Christ be revealed in him, he says, now I am ready to preach the gospel. That's what he said. Now I'm ready. Now how many of us are ready to declare the gospel? Yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. But have I spent the time looking and filling my thoughts with heavenly realities? Because I need to be in sync with what God wants to do. I don't need to be in sync with what they're telling me in the news media. I don't care about that. I need to be in sync with what he's saying so that at just a little tug on the inside, I can go visit somebody in aisle nine and bring the culture of heaven, you belong here, into the reality, into their life. That's what we need to be responding to. But the only way that I do that is if I'm looking at how much I'm loved by God and if I'm filling my thoughts with heaven's realities and not the distractions of the natural realm. That's how it's going to take place. Now, (laughs) let's go here. Um, Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 for a moment. I'm going to give you a couple verses while you're flipping there. But if I desire... To deepen my relationship with the Lord. Anybody have that desire? I strongly have that desire on the inside of me to walk so intimately with him that I know him. How do I do that? I deepen my understanding of how loved I am. Because I am loved at the exact same degree that Jesus himself is loved. When you see me and you see Jesus, God loves us the exact same. Do you believe that? (laughs) I have to get to that point where it's not just... Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's really nice. Wow, God, that's a really cool scripture. That's a cool thought. I want to get past thought, and I want to get it on the inside. I am loved just like Jesus. And is there anything the Father wouldn't do for Jesus? He thanked God for the bread, and what happened? He fed 5,000 men with bread and two loaves. or two Sorry, five loaves of bread and two fish. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, now, you guys are in First Peter chapter 5. Good. One more verse before I read that one to you. I want to read this. First John 3.16. It says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. What is real love? Jesus gave up his life for me. That's what he did. Jesus gave up his life for me. Can we say that together? Jesus gave up his life for me. For me, one more time, Jesus gave up his life for me. Now, because he gave up his life for me, why did he do that? Why did Jesus do that? So that I could be carefree. This is the just point one. I believe the next couple weeks we're going to just hit this. Because Jesus gave up his life for me, why? I can be carefree. Say with me, carefree. Again, care-free. That means worried about nothing. Anxious about nothing. Not a thing. Now, let's go into this and we'll be, we'll be done here. 1 Peter chapter 5, and while you're there, I have a few minutes yet, Wyatt, sorry, bro, I have a couple minutes. If you want to stand, but... Don't we enjoy his tinkling of the ivories? Man, I was just... 1 Peter 5, 7... 
You're there. I'm not. Hold on. Jesus said this also in John 14, 1, before he went to the cross. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. He says, don't let it. So that means I can't let what's happening out here get in. Don't let it in. You are the guard of your own heart. I'm the guard of my own soul. I have got to protect what I'm allowing to come in and what I'm allowing to stay out. I'm in charge of that. And Jesus clearly tells us, do not let your heart be troubled. Passion Bible says it like this. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. Don't let it. Don't you dare do it. Why? You trust God? Trust me. So if I'm constantly worried or concerned about what's happening out here, I need to look where my trust is. That's what he's saying. Now look at this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. The New King James, it says, Casting all of your care upon him. Why? Come on, why can I do this? Come on, say it. He cares. Casting all of my care. Why? He cares. Who cares about your life? I don't. You don't. He does. Who cares about you? People don't. Fine. They shouldn't. Nobody should have the responsibility of actually caring for you. This is the, one of the biggest sins of the church is we are world-class worriers. Well, I just care so much. That's pride. <laughs> we'll get into that later. But right now, what I want us to focus on, the Father, the Holy Spirit, is telling you and I, casting all of your care on him. Why? Because he cares. Now, let me get into this a little bit. This word casting comes from the Greek word epiripto. I really want you to see this because these words are fascinating when you pull them out. The word epi is the word on top of something. And the word ripto means to hurl, to throw, to cast. And it often means this, to violently fling or to, um, oh, where is it? Or to, uh, with great force. To violently fl fling with great force. So you're taking something and you just huck it. Want nothing to do with it. It's a violent picture. Now, the only other time you see this word epiripto in the New Testament, you actually see it in Luke 19.35. And I'll show you this verse too. It says, they brought him to Jesus, talking about a colt or a donkey. They brought this donkey to Jesus, and they epiripto, here's it with me, epiripto, their own clothes on the coat, on the colt, and they set Jesus on them. What did they do to the colt? They took their clothes and they flung it onto this beast. That's the only other time that you see it. So what is the picture that you're getting here? It's throwing of a garment, a bag or excess weight of a traveler onto some sort of beast and letting them carry that weight. I want you just to kind of picture this. I mean, a long traveler traveling a long way has got a whole bunch of stuff. And meanwhile, like, why would I carry this when I got a horse right beside me? Oh, that's better. Why is this important? Because you and I were not designed to carry that. Adam and Eve never had a weight in their life put on them. Because what happens when we carry this? Medical science even tells us 
that that is the number one cause of sickness, anxiety, depression, fear. It's that. Look at me. It's not me. That. That's the problem. And meanwhile, we just constantly think, well, this is my burden of responsibility. This is just what I got to do. This is what my kids are going through. This is what my family's going through. This is what's happening at work. This is what's all going on. And we think we're supposed to hold on to this. And he says, cast, fling with force your cares. Why? He cares. Now, let me go a little further in this. What is Jesus telling us from this? Your shoulders are not big enough to carry the burdens that you're trying to bear by yourself. This load will eventually break you. So please let me be your beast of burden. He's offering himself. Take that load and heave it with all of your might. Fling it over onto my back and let me carry it for you. So the next question is, what can I cast over on that Lord? The word care, again, is so awesome. When you get into some of the Greek words of what these words actually mean, it's so much bigger than just, okay, I can't care anymore. Well, what does care mean? What can I throw on him? Casting all of your care on the Lord. That word care, again, in the Greek is marimna, and it simply means this, the word anxiety. Now, if you look at some of the spokes that come out under the word anxiety, it means this, affliction, difficulty, hardship, misfortune, trouble, complicated circumstances. It often refers to problems that are financial, marital, job-related, family-related, business-oriented, or anything else that concerns us. Simply put, what can I cast on the Lord? Anything. There's say anything that causes me worry or anxiety regardless of how or why it happened. That means even the stuff you didn't even know why it came. Maybe it was stuff that you even caused. He's saying, cast it on him. We need to throw it on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And why can I throw that on him? Because he cares for me. Now that word, he careth, again, careth. You see these words, casting, care, and care. They're all different words in the Greek. Do you see that? So it's not just casting all of your care because he cares. There's so much more. Again, looking at these verses, the, the Greek word again for cares, that when it says God cares for you, that Greek word is malay. And it means this, to be concerned, to be thoughtful, to be interested, to be aware, and to notice, to give painful and meticulous attention to. What does that mean? God's put you under the microscope and he's looking at you. And he sees this. And here's the thing. He will not just take it from you. Why? Because that would be a, a, a breach of boundaries. God is love and he knows proper boundaries. So he tells us, take your care, hurl it on him once and for all. Leave it there with him. Don't touch it up here again. Leave it, Jesus said, leave it on me. Let me be your beast of burden. Leave it there. He knows how to take care of it. So what do I do? I want you just to get, get the picture of this. You name this bag, whether it's financial, marital, family, business, you name it. I want you to see the care of this. 
And now how am I walking through life, man? I come home, I'm irritable. I'm at work, I'm frustrated. I'm, I even come to church and I'm just, God, I need help with this. How do I do this? And you're just like this, living around and putting on a happy face. God, yeah, it's all good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's all good. You know, my, my, you know praise God. You know, God's going to meet my needs according to his riches and glory. Yeah, amen. Meanwhile, you got this whole bag on you. And when you get home and you close the door, you are freaked out and frustrated by this. And what is God telling you? Cast it. Oh, I believe that's what the Lord wants us in this season is. If we've learned anything in 2020, quarter of the way 2021, it's been holding on to this. No matter what comes our way, they're just adding care constantly to you. Whether it's a race thing, next it's a sex thing, next it's a, you name it, we're seeing it, we're experiencing it, it's constant. So what the Father is saying is, hurl it on me Leave it there. And any time that in your thought life it tries to come back, you throw it back. You say, no, no, no. I've already given that thought off. I refuse to take it. And I left it with you. And what do I do? Lord, I just want to thank you that you are faithful to your word. Lord, thank you that your word is true in my heart. Your word is true in my life. You you have to let it go. Why? So that I can properly praise. Can we take a deep breath again, just together? Just, I want that to be a sign of freedom for you. Again. So, Father, this morning, let's just, let's give it over to him, church. Father, this morning, Jesus, because you gave up your life for us, we can live carefree. So, Father, this morning, First of all, we receive your love. We open up our hearts to you this morning to love us. Jesus, we believe with all of our heart that you you are an example and a demonstration of the love of the Father toward us. Thank you for what you've done on that cross. This is my resting ground. This is my root for my life. I am loved by the Almighty God. And sir, because of your great love, you commanded me and tell me in your word to cast, to fling, to throw upon you with great force any problem that I may be holding on to. Anything that's causing anxiety, depression, or fear at any sorts. Jesus, thank you for taking such meticulous attention to me. You know it. You see that in my heart and in my mind. So, Father, this day, March 14th, 2021, I choose to lift it up to you, and I fling my care over on you once and for all in Jesus' mighty name. Can we all just stand up just for a moment? And if you're casting something off, can we just demonstrate our carefreeness this morning by just simply lifting our hands to him? Father, we thank you. Ah. So good to trust you. Come on, now just love on him this morning. Father, we love you. Come on, we cast that care. Whatever it is, if you got to put a name on it, you'd say what it is. Family. It's my marriage. It's the finances. It's a relationship. It's my job. It's, God, it's the health of my soul or my body. Lord, here it is. I just put it off on you because you care for me. 
thank you, Lord. Proper relationships. I cast it off on you. The right people at the right time in the right places. Father, I'm not trying to make things happen on my own anymore. I'm not trying to make divine appointments. Lord, I trust you. Come on, let's just take a deep breath again. Ah, Jesus. One more time. We just feast on your faithfulness, Lord. Carefree in your presence. Come on, just say it. I'm carefree. I'm carefree. I'm carefree. Not worried about that next sale. I'm not worried about that business partner. I'm not worried about my business. I'm carefree. Why? Because you care about me. You care about me. Come on, just remind your soul of that. Soul, come on, soul. Come on, soul. He cares. Come on, soul. He cares for me. Come on, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Come on, you need to talk to your soul. This is what David did. He even said, soul, why are you disquieted in me? Why are you laid down? Why are you burdened? No, 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 I will praise the Lord. He's turning the thing around. I just trust in you, Lord. I praise you. You're good. You're faithful to your word. You are watching over your word to perform it in our lives. Father, I thank you for this church family that you continue to reveal your love, your goodness to us in a greater dimension. In Jesus' name. Oh, we bless you, Lord. Come on, we bless you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, thank you, Lord. So from this place, we go forward. We live from this place. Let this feeling, for lack of a better word, become the position for where you think, for where you act. I am carefree in my Father's presence. I don't have a concern. I don't have a worry and anxiety about anything. Why? Because my Father cares for me. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Ah, how's that feel? It's good. It's good. It's so good. Isn't he so wonderful? Your family's looked after. It's okay. Why? Because it's on him. How do I, how could you say that? My, my finances are going to be okay. Because it's on him. search in my heart real quick. It's all good. Yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah. You know, I just, this is, I think we, what we need to do is we need to continually demonstrate how carefree we really are. And this is what we're going to get into next week, but I, this was just, I woke up with this thought this morning and I, and I just want to just say this now, what we're going to talk about next week, but because he loves me and laid down his life for me, I can rejoice like I've never rejoiced. I can rejoice. 
So let, let me encourage you, let this be a sign and a demonstration to the enemy of his ending days coming soon. It's how carefree that I am. Ain't got nothing on me. Yeah, can we just lift our hand just for one minute? Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to thank you for your mighty Holy Spirit. Donovan, I just hear these words in my heart, and it's not long, it's just simple. But he says, I got you. I got you. That's all that I hear. I'm not, I don't want to say anything else. That's, that's it. I got you. You guys can take that. I just had that for him, but you can take that for yourself as well. I got you. Nothing better than knowing that your big brother's on the case. I got your back. Amen.